From its start, Slither's life was rich with fear. He and his many siblings, who he'd never get to meet, hatched on a hot day up in the meatball orchard where their mom had laid their eggs. Slither wasn't even completely out of his egg yet when he heard the shrieking that he would later learn was from the hawks. His siblings were snatched away by passing talons, but amazingly, Slither somehow managed to slither away. He didn't go too far, for there wasn't far to go. The dry mounds of earth at the edge of Godily Godily Forest, where the meatball orchard had been planted years ago, edged up against the banks of Wonky River. The riverbank was something of a no-man's land. The land was too mucky to grow much other than the bitter berries that speckled the echo bushes, but humans had no taste for those berries. And the waters of the Wonky were perpetually rough in that area thanks to the winds that swept across the plains on the opposite side of the river from the orchard. The winds would stir the waters, then bounce off the high banks beneath the orchard, pushing against the very waves they created. Sometimes whirlpools would appear as if by magic, making the wonky waters too dangerous for bodies or boats. Slither made his way down to the water's edge. The waves seemed to rear up and consume one another in quick, thirsty gulps. Slither was sure that the river would make short work of him if he attempted to swim it. The thought of being caught up in the swirling waters sent a chill down Slither's long, thin spine. The echo bushes ran the length of the riverbank and had their own hazards. He tried one of the bushes' bitter berries on his first day by the river and spent the next hour spitting and rubbing his flicking tongue in the mud to try to get the bitterness out of his mouth. There was also an odd yellow ooze that covered some of the leaves around the bunches of berries and that was tracked along the ground below the bushes. The berries were offensive to his palate and the yellow ooze unsettled the snake. But what was even worse were the horrible sounds that emitted from the echo bush. The bush's curved leaves acted as sort of a reflector. They caught and amplified out any and all sounds that came from within the echo bush. A snapping twig would sound like a log breaking. The constant winds sounded like screaming and moaning and the tweets from birds resting in the bush echoed out as wild screeches and scrapes, like rough sheets of metal being rubbed together in quick succession. Because he vowed to never enter the echo bushes, Slither's small world was aggressively bordered between the rushing waters and the cacophonic shrubs. He discovered that the closer he was to the water, the more it drowned out the sounds of the bush but he couldn't get too close because the ground would get cold and soft the nearer he was to the wonky. It took him a few days, but eventually he found a home in two flat rocks that were next to each other. One rock was raised at a bit of an angle and made a shallow cave that he could call home. It was close enough to the river for the water to mask most of the sounds from the bush. The tiny cave was warmed by the sun and the rocks also shielded Slither from any passing hawks. Slither had shelter, but he also needed to eat. Being a meatball snake, there was only one food for him, the fruit of the trees that grew up in the orchard. 
Each trip up the riverbank was a death-defying ordeal. Slither would hold out for as long as he could until his hunger became undeniable, and then, when he garnered enough courage, he'd dart from the little rock cave in an erratic zigzagging pattern. He would go close along the perimeter of the echo bushes, and the only thing louder to him than the horrible sounds of those bushes at those moments was the pounding of his own frightened heart. Slither would traverse the dry mounds at the edge of the orchards, and then would, as quickly as he could, ascend the nearest meatball tree. Once in the tree, he was never guaranteed safety. There was a time when he had climbed almost to the top to pick the right meatballs when he realized that on the branch beside him, there was a hawk's nest with a sleeping hawk. A single wrong move would have been his end. Slither would look for a branch bending under the weight of ample meatballs, and then he would eat far more than his fill until he felt like he might pop. Being a snake, he didn't have to eat but a few times a month, and every extra meatball that he swallowed meant another day or so that he didn't have to brave the journey up and back to the orchard. The way back was always more nerve-wracking, for Slither was slowed with the burden of his meal. The meatball-filled snake looked like a freakishly long edamame bean, only he was bright pink and would have been easy pickings for a passing hawk. Spring in Godaly Gotali Forest was the loudest and most colorful time of year. The noggin birds kept their heart-shaped eggs warm inside them all winter, and come spring they'd lay their eggs by flying over Wonky River and dropping them into the choppy waves. The chicks would hatch underwater with a small explosion that startled the inky fish that lived at the bottom of the river, making them squirt red ink into the waters. At the height of the hatching period, the river ran blood red with the inky fish ink. When the hatchlings surfaced, they'd bob and attempt to fly for the first time while chirping incessantly. Their moms stayed circling above calling in encouragement of their chicks and staying at the ready to fend off any hawk threats that inevitably would come. On top of all that activity and clatter, the springs also brought the warm rains, which caused the echo bushes to grow faster than ever and the blood red river would swell with the added water. Slither's first spring was also his worst spring. One spring day, after just returning from the orchard, Slither heard the chaotic sounds of what seemed to be a skirmish of some sort coming from the echo bush. It was hard to distinguish what exactly was making the sound amid the echoes and the constant whooshing of the wonky waters. Slither thought he heard a high-pitched scream and then a deep gurgling roar, but he couldn't be sure. Then he saw a little white mouse run out from beneath the echo bush. It made a beeline for the snake. In most circumstances, a mouse would never willingly approach a snake, so Slither knew that something exceptional must have happened to it to cause it to head his way. The mouse was screaming in panic. What is it, mouse? asked Slither as the mouse approached. What was it? asked Slither. A shalalalai, a real life shalalalai. 
What's a shalalalai? asked the snake. Probably the most vicious beast on the planet. My mother warned me about them years ago, but I've never believed her. I never saw one until today. I used to think it was the hawks that took my mother and sister, but after seeing that beast, I know the truth. It was terrifying. Sitting there, covering bitter berries with its yellow oozing sauce and those claws. Oh, it was too much. Nothing will eat anything. Mice, berries, probably even a snake like you, said the mouse, and began running up the riverbank, and then added, Slither was just about to warn the frightened mouse about the hawks when her voice and footfalls stopped abruptly. There was a flash of brown and black and the unmistakable shriek of a hungry hawk, and then silence. With the knowledge of the existence of the Shalalalai, the snake felt his small world become even smaller. He was already unnerved by the rackety bush with all its bitter berries and unsettling yellow ooze, but now knowing there was a horrible beast living inside made things worse. He knew that he must avoid the bushes at all costs. The river was forever a non-starter for Slither. It might as well have been a wall 50 feet tall and 50 miles long. And on top of all that, the hawks were reliably unpredictable and made Slither reluctant to even poke his head out from his rock shelter. So he just lay still, digesting his meatballs as slowly as possible and trying his best to not think about the monster in the bush. Days went on and Slither couldn't shake the thought of the Shalalalai. The sounds of the chirping noggin birds, the growing echo bushes, the rain, and the rising, raging river were ceaseless. To Slither, every sound was the monster coming for him. He became increasingly jumpy and agitated, and sleep seemed like an impossible dream. Eventually, after days of trying and with a body half full of meatballs, Slither managed to doze off for a while. He was awoken by the water that was pouring into his cave mouth. The wonky was flooding, and Slither's stony safe haven was about to be swallowed up. He quickly uncoiled himself and fled the shelter when, to his great horror, the snake discovered that the spring rains caused the echo bushes to overtake the entire riverbank. He was lying on the last bit of mucky bank that wasn't overgrown, and that too was about to disappear into the river. Slither had two dreadful choices before him. Enter the river or enter the echo bush. He looked to the water as the noggin birds circled overhead. He watched a chick pop up at the surface and with its wet wings, it began to flap its first wing poles to fly. He thought for a second that if a baby bird could brave the waters and live, maybe he could too. Then he heard the shriek of a hawk. He looked up to see it dive at the chick, and were it not for the flock of noggin bird mothers who attacked the hawk in defense, the chick would have been a goner. Slither couldn't swim, and he had no flock of mothers willing to protect him, so he had no choice but to brave the echo bush. Slither slithered cautiously into the foliage. The ground was slightly drier within the bush, which allowed the snake to move a bit faster than out on the muddy, rainy riverbank. To his great relief, 
The world was significantly calmer within the bush. However it worked, the bush seemed to echo outward and not inward. The greatest sounds now came from the short panic breaths and pounding of his heart, both of which only quickened and became louder when Slither realized that creepy yellow ooze was all around him. He quickly darted around the branches and stalks, trying desperately to avoid the ooze and thoughts of the shalalalai. The deeper in he went, the denser the bush became. He looked for a place to hide, a place free from the yellow ooze and where, like his rock shelter, he could lie safely while only having to watch what was in front of him. There was a stretch that was full of twists and turns where the bush was so thick that a clear path emerged as the only option to travel forth. A few resting spots looked promising, only they were either slightly too small for his meatball-laden body or too exposed. Slither pushed on, hoping that a hiding place would be just around the next corner. But when he turned the next corner, he came face to face with the most terrifying creature he'd ever seen. It was one inch tall and looked like a puppy, but had a spiky tail and razor sharp teeth. When Slither appeared, it was pulling a clump of bitter berries with a long clawed paw. Slither couldn't help himself. He reared up in a letter S and screamed, Shalalalai! at the top of his lungs and learned that the echo bush did in fact echo on the inside. His voice pinged off each leaf and came back to him a thousand times over. The fear was so strong within him that as soon as the name of the beast had escaped his mouth, it was as if the meatballs wanted out too. They shot from the snake's mouth like cannonballs and ringed in the shalalalai like a meatball stonehenge. The shalalalai started screaming in a deep, low voice that seemed unnatural for his small size. And then cries of, Please, don't eat me! echoed within the bush. To his great surprise, Slither wasn't the only one making the plea. The Shalalalai was begging the same of him that he was asking of it. Slither paused and waited for the echoes to calm and said quietly, I'm not going to eat you. You're not? No. But you're a snake. The mice told me to watch out for snakes. I'm a meatball snake. I eat meatballs. Are you a Shalalalai? Yes. Are you going to eat me? No. I'm no killer. What are those claws for, then? For picking berries, said the Shalalalai, and then, to accentuate the point, cut a bunch of berries from the bush. And they come in handy to protect against the hawks. What do you think I was going to eat you? A mouse maybe told me that you might? Oh, we should stop listening to mice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's a meatball? Slither looked at the thrown-up meatballs that encircled the little creature and was slightly embarrassed to say, Um, those things I spit up on you are meatballs. Are they any good? They're delicious. They're the only thing I eat. The Shalalalai raised his front paw and flicked open a claw like a jackknife. Slither couldn't help but jump back a bit. Mind if I try a piece? 
Oh no, please help yourself, said Slither. The long claws made short work of the meatball, which the Shalalalai sliced like a watermelon, raised one piece up to its mouth, and took a hearty bite from. Wow, this is really good. You know it'd make it better though? What? Some honey mustard, said the Shalalalai, and then reached into his belly button and pulled out a squeezable bottle of yellow honey mustard and covered the meatball slice with it. The yellow condiment oozed down its hands and dripped onto the ground. When the Shalalalai had finished the piece, he flicked his paws, which shot mustard in all directions. This stuff makes everything better. Even those bitter berries taste alright with a little honey mustard. I'd never leave home without it, the Shalalalai said. After their initial encounter, the two odd creatures became fast friends. The Shalalalai helped the snake find a place to live inside the bush and, in return, Slither showed the Shalalalai the routes to the meatball orchard. The Shalalalai would also accompany the snake wherever he went by riding on Slither's back with its claws drawn, scanning the skies for hawks and ready to fight and protect its snake friend should they appear. Slither was no longer scared and alone and thanks to the Shalalalai, he developed a taste for honey mustard. The end. <laughs>